בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה. We're here, ברוך השם, בכנסת מאור דוד. Thank you for having me, כבוד הרב. Thank you for having me, קהל הקדוש. We started a series a couple of months ago, פרקי אבות, which is a מוסר series. It's ways that, and different things that the sages have taught us of how to apply the Torah to our life. And we try to use different things from the Torah, verses from the Torah, different minagim, different alachot, different, different things that we need to know in order to apply these things to our life. But most importantly, life lessons that are going to make us good quality people. My father always told me, Kodem kol tiye ben adam. First of all, be a decent human being. Then you could do this, you could do that. All the promises and the things that you want to do. All the ambitions somebody has. All the goals they have. They're all wonderful. But if you're not a human being, it's all worthless. Same thing goes with Torah. Someone can learn as much Torah as they want. They can know the books by heart. They can know the halachot like a machine. But if they're not a decent human being that smiles at you when you see them, that says thank you when you give them something, that knows how to be grateful, that knows how to be honest, that knows that he has to stay away from gava, from pride as much as possible, that knows that nothing is because of him, everything is from Hashem. The entire Torah that he learned is not worth anything. So the Torah is supposed to be applied to your life, not just for you to tell stories, but to actually apply it to your life, to become a better human being. The good news about the series is that you don't have to start from the beginning. Each shiur usually is two, three hours, and you know, questions, answers, and Baruch Hashem, we have the shiur itself. But the good news is that each mishnah from Pirkei Avot is a shiur by itself. So if you have any questions in the middle, you could ask, as long as it has to do with the uh, shiur itself. But to give you guys a little bit of a, uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, because Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of new people, give you a little bit of a uh, short background of myself. I wasn't born religious as a matter of fact, most of my life I wasn't religious. Most of my life I didn't even know that the Torah was even real. Uh, I had an enormous amount of doubts, skepticism. People would come to me and ask me for donations because I was very rich. I had a big company on Wall Street. I had a hedge fund. I had a brokerage firm. I had an insurance company. I had a bunch of Harvard kids and different uh, college grads that worked for me. I was the kid, but everyone was my employee, and uh, I was on television and did all these wonderful things that in the material world that were all really worthless, but in my version of the world at that time, it was everything, and did everything but the right thing, meaning that, yes, I was an honest business person, I did the right thing by my clients, I was generous, I even donated some money to Beknesset and Borosefer Torah, but when it came to Hashem, I didn't have time for Him. So Hashem tells us that if you look for me, you'll find me. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, He says, If you look for me, you'll find me. If you look for me with all of your heart and all of your soul. If someone really is looking for the truth, Hashem is going to make sure you find it. But you can't look for it like you look for a second pair of keys. You look, five minutes, I didn't find no cow, just use the first one. He said, if you look for me with all of your heart and all of your soul, if you're really looking for the truth, you'll find me, He says. But he also says in the Torah that when we don't look for him, if you treat him with casualness, you, like he's one of your friends from the bar. 
You can call him, not call him, worship him, not worship him, listen to him, not listen to him, like you do khufshi, do whatever you want. Then we get punished twice. One for not doing, and one for treating him like he's one of our friends. This is both in Parashat Kitavo and Parashat Bechukotai. So never think that I'm making up anything that I'm telling you. I bring all these books to every lecture because number one, I really don't know what I'm going to say before the lecture, so I'm hoping the books are going to give me some siyat dishmaya. And number two, usually people have questions and say, oh really, where's that written? So I can give them a book and show them, look, don't think that I, that I said it. God said it. It's written in the book. I, I wasn't, Hashem didn't ask me for permission before he wrote these books. Have a seat. So, when I treated Hashem with casualness and I said that the business world was a dominating force in my life, eventually the time came for Hashem to come to me and wake me up. And a wake up it was. Seven years of fighting for my life, both health-wise, financial-wise, and everything else in between. The CDs behind you, the CD number one and CD number two, from Wall Street to the Western Wall, tell the story. On CD number two, it's the first track. It's a, uh, Hashem, a very popular lecture, very motivating to a lot of people, but also has a lot of musar and a lot of lessons we could all apply to our life, whether it's somebody fighting a health battle, somebody having problems with emunah, somebody having problems with financial issues, somebody intermarried, it applies in so many different ways because Mamash, Baruch Hashem, Hashem put us through a nice, specialized, customized genome in this world that we were able to experience many nice things. But Ishtabach Shem eventually had mercy on us and He woke us up and we saw the truth and Baruch Hashem, you see us today. So once I saw the truth, everything became meaningless. And that's the one thing, that's the one thing that people have a hard time understanding when they ask me, Wait a minute. You were making so much money on Wall Street. You were doing this. You were doing that. Why don't you stay on Wall Street? Okay, be religious. Keep Shabbat. Keep mitzvot. But go back to making your two, three hundred thousand dollars a month. What are you going? What do you have to give lectures for free for? And live off of tzedakah. Why? There's two reasons. First reason is when you really see the truth for exactly what it is. You see Hashem's Torah for exactly what it is, at least at my level, that is not very high, but for where I stand, from my perspective, everything is meaningless. All the money in the world is meaningless, all the desires in the world are meaningless, everything is meaningless. Yes, you still have to eat, you still have to drink, you still have to live in this world, but the world that I lived in, the financial world, the stock market, the CNBC, the Bloomberg, the fame, the fortune, all that stuff became officially meaningless overnight. Because you so saw it's material. Okay, so what am I invest? Another 70 years in his money, and his fame, and the employees, and the friends, and the you know, enemies, and the politics, and all of this stuff. For what? I can't take any of it. Eventually you go, everybody, every one of us is going to become dust. The worms are going to eat us. The maggots are going to take whatever is left. The real us, the neshama, goes to the real world. You can't take the money with you. Can't take the car with you. You can't take the apartment on the 35th floor for three and a half million dollars with you. You can't. It stays here. So I figured, what am I going to invest in this stuff that I can't take with me? So it became meaningless. Second reason is that Baruch Hashem, 
Each one of us has a gift. Hashem gave me a gift of gab. He gave me the ability to speak and think a little bit differently. And I also like to argue. So these are a good combinations for giving lectures. So Hashem, I st- the way I looked at it, and my Rav told me this as well, both Rav Ephraim and, uh, from Jerusalem and Rav Mizrahi, which I'm sure many of you know, Hashem needs more Jews. Businessmen, he has plenty. This doesn't mean that businessmen are bad. Baruch Hashem, we need businessmen to fund all of this. But we don't have enough people telling the truth. So I threw my hat into the equation and I hope that Hashem gives me siyat bishmaya to help people do tshuva. In the last couple of years, hundreds of people have been doing tshuva, converting, doing all types of things. People that mamash came to me, atheists, had orthodox weddings eight months later. With mechitza, with no rikudim, no nothing, no much. Like 100%, like a frum person. You would think this person is frum from birth. Other people converting, other people becoming much more religious. One guy wanted to force his wife to have an abortion. A few months later, Baruch Hashem, he's full-time in a kolel. Full-time in a kolel. Has nothing to do with me, though. It's not me. Don't think it's me. Don't give me the credit. So this, Torah, you read it, you do the same thing. Same Torah. Just that no one reads the whole Torah. So someone asked me recently, and then we're going to start the Shiur Bezat Hashem. What's the difference? What's the difference between what you do, you know, what Rabbi Zrachi does, and what the majority of the public does, what the majority of the rabbis do? They speak very differently. They don't tell people that a mechalel Shabbat mot yumat. They don't tell people that if you violate Shabbat... According to the Rambam, Malachot Shabbat, they're considered 100% an idol worshiper. Not only not considered Jewish, they're considered an idol worshiper, which is much worse. You know, not Jewish could be tzaddik. Job. Sefer Yov. There's a book in the Torah called Job. The book of Job. He was a prophet, but he was not Jewish. He was a Ben Noach. He was a righteous person, spoke to God, went through a tikkun, but nonetheless... Has an amazing Allah about all of us can pray one day, maybe we can have a piece of it, of how great he was. So it doesn't mean just because you're not Jewish doesn't mean you're bad, it could be amazing. But the Rambam is not saying that if you violate Shabbat, you're considered a bad non Jew. No, no, he says consider an idol worshiper, which is the worst, the worst possible thing to be. This is also followed and concurred in the Gemara, Masechet Shabbat. Also in a Masechet Avodah Zarah, Masechet Sanhedrin. If you look at Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, from page 91 all the way to about 98. It has a very interesting part that all of us know because we read it in the Tefillah on Shabbat. It says, Every Jew, every one of Am Yisrael has a share of the world to come. All of us know this. So everyone assumes, oh, I was born Jewish, I'm lucky. I have a share of the wealth to come. The problem is that's just the first verse of the Mishnah. The rest of the Mishnah, over the next eight pages, eight dapim, which is really 16 pages because Daf Gemara is two pages, he says, and these are the people who do not have a share of the wealth to come. And it gives you all of the classifications of what happens if you do these sins, you have no share of the wealth to come, chas v'shalom. One of them being Mechal Shabbat. So when someone asked me, what's the difference? I told them there's a difference. The rabbis, Baruch Hashem, most rabbis, they're not intentionally doing something bad. They speak Torah, just like I'm speaking Torah. They read the Torah, I read the Torah. 
They read Parashat Shavua. I read Parashat Shavua. They read Perkei Avot. I read Perkei Avot. There's only one small difference. They read the nice things that make you feel good, make you sleep at night, and you're happy, and it makes you feel like Hashem loves you, and you're perfect, and you don't have to do tshuva, you're already at tzaddik, just give tzedakah and everything is fine. Nice parts of the Torah, the nice stories, everything is good, maybe a little bit of shlom bayit here and there, a few halachot here and there. But overall, they don't force you to do anything. They just tell you, listen, you're a Jew, Every Jew has a share of the world to come. It's a nice part of the Torah. What I try to do, based on what I've learned from my teachers, Rabbi Mizrahi and Rabbi Ephraim, is not just to do the nice part of the Torah. Because that would do you a disservice. So I figured I'm not smart enough to pick which one is the best part of the Torah. So what did I do? Read the whole Torah. We teach the whole Torah. The nice parts and the not nice parts. The part that says that if you keep Shabbat, it even is a tikkun, it's even a tshuva for Avodah Zarah. Somebody was an idol worshiper one day. They didn't know Miskini, they didn't know. They worshiped an idol. They worshiped their rabbi, they worshiped J.C. Penny, they worshiped, uh, I don't know, some uh, thing they bought from uh, Chinatown. They worshiped something. They didn't know. Miskini, they didn't know. It says you keep Shabbat, that's your tikkun. That is your repentance. That your tshuva for Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah is the worst possible thing you can do. So you keep Shabbat, that's your tikkun. So it says the nice part. But on the other hand, it also says, why is Avodah Zarah in the Torah? It's 12 times it mentions Mot Yumat. Mot Yumat means death upon death. Death in this world, death in the next world, meaning no share of the world to come. So we ask, why is every time it mentions Shabbat, it mentions idol worship right next to it. Right next to it. You have Shabbat. And right next to it, either before or after, it mentions idol worship. Just like it always says, every time it mentions homosexuality in the Torah, the sin of homosexuality, it mentions bestiality. Every time. You look for yourself. You look in the Torah, you have five books of Moses. Every time you have homosexuality, you have bestiality. A man with a man... Man with an animal, woman with an animal. A man drives on Shabbat to Bikneset. A man worshiping an idol that he bought from Chinatown for 15 bucks. Same thing. Why? Because Al says, because it's the same thing. In Hashem's eyes, the same thing. Same thing. It's the same sin. The guy that's driving to Shul on Shabbat, same thing as the guy that bought the idol and worshiped it. On Shabbat, on Yom Rishon, on Yom Sheni, on Yom Shishi, any day. Same thing. The guy that has a boyfriend. Same thing as the guy that has, like Bilam. Bilam, you know who his wife was? Remember Bilam? Bilam Rasha was a prophet. Rasha, the prophet. You know who his wife was? The donkey. The donkey was his wife. Same thing. So we see here that if we learn the nice part of the Torah, we don't learn these parts. It's not fair. What if you didn't know? What if you're like my first student when I moved to Florida a couple of years ago? 25 years, 25 years, he's driving to shul, nobody told him once. 25 years, he's driving to shul on Shabbat. And he doesn't live that far. He lives, I don't know, 15 minute walk. Who feels like walking in this genome of a son you have here in Florida? Who wants to walk here? So he says, okay, I'm going to drive. 
25 years he's driving to shul on Shabbat. Now one person ever told him he's not to drive on Shabbat. He's not a Talmud Chacham, obviously. He never opened a book of Torah in his life. The closest he ever got to Torah was reading Tehillim once in a while. No one ever told him. He goes, he prays like a robot. He doesn't know. So whoever is teaching him just the nice parts of the Torah, it's not fair because he doesn't know for 25 years. So we don't know what you don't know. So what we do is we just tell you everything there is. At least everything that I know. And Bezat Hashem, hopefully we find a Hebrew at some point down throughout the entire shiur. We make sure that it's long enough that at least I have an opportunity to give you a Hebrew at some point. So now, Shlomo HaMelech was gifted a special gift from Hashem. When he became king, just when he was a teenager, a young teenager, instead of asking for money, for women, for weapons, for power, what did he ask for Hashem? He said, Hashem, give me the wisdom, give me the wisdom so I can judge your nation favorably. Because I'm the king, I'm going to have to decide who's guilty, who's innocent. It all comes to me. So at least, if I'm going to be the judge... Let me judge them favorably based on your Torah. Give me the wisdom of the Torah to know what to judge. Because not everything is that obvious. It's not always black and white. It's not always tarer for kashel. Sometimes in trefa. Sometimes it looks very, very similar, but just a different version of non-kosher. Sometimes you think that the rabbis are cheating. They're saying, wait, this orange juice is not kosher. What do you mean? It's orange juice. For heaven's sake, what, what could be so bad about orange juice? How could orange juice not be kosher? Well, if you find out, you look at the ingredients list. There's a company by the name of Sunny Delight that just about five years ago, for the first time, they got their kosher stamp. For all those years, they were never kosher. Why? Because one of the ingredients that made the Sunny Delight orange juice more orange was crushed beetles. And crushed beetles are not kosher. And they're also disgusting. But they didn't call it crushed beetles on the ingredients list. They called it some nice formula, like E320 or Red 14 or some code name that looks like a, you know, more like a, a scud missile than it does an ingredient for, a, uh, you know, for food. So we don't know the whole details. We get in trouble. So Shlomo Amelach says, I need this wisdom. I need to know. So Hashem says, because you asked for the wisdom, I'll give you everything. I'll give you the wisdom beyond any man that ever lived. Only the Mashiach will be wiser than you. The Mashiach will be the only one wiser than you. You'll have chokhmah, you'll have wisdom that's beyond our comprehension. What is it like? We said it in Yeshua a couple of weeks ago. People don't understand chokhmah of Chazal, the, the, the wisdom of Chazal. Needless to say, they don't understand the wisdom of Shlomo HaMelech. But if you look at the Midrashim of the technology that the throne of Shlomo HaMelech had, his throne, the technology the throne had, you'd swear that he had better technology than we have today. Voice on command was... The least of the technology. As soon as he stepped on the first step, he had to say a verse from the Torah. 
And all of a sudden he has the hand or the paw of a lion made of gold and a wing of a eagle made of gold. They're not made out of uh, semiconductors. Made of gold. All of a sudden they pick him up and lift him all the way to his throne. And then you have a nice, beautiful dove made out of gold fly in the air somehow. Lifting his crown and putting it right on his head. You have technology like that today? That's the wisdom of Shlomo Melech. Small token of it. So Shlomo Melech is asking, I need this wisdom. Hashem says, I'm going to give you the wisdom. I'm going to give you the power. You're not going to have any war. Everyone's going to be scared of you. You're going to have money. You're going to have power. You're going to have everything. And this man that had everything, he says this. In chapter 3, verse 12 in Proverbs, Sefer Mishle, or verse 11, Musar Adonai b'ni al-timas, v'al takot betochachto, ki et asher ye'av Adonai yochiach, u'ke'av et ben yirtze. My child, do not despise Hashem's discipline, and do not despise His reproof, his rebuke. For Hashem admonishes the one he loves, and like a father, he mollifies the child. Praiseworthy is a person who has found wisdom, a person who can derive understanding from it. And he continues and he talks about how don't get so offended by hearing Musar that makes you question yourself. Don't get so offended and all bent out of shape if all of a sudden some young guy tells you, hey, by the way, you're the equivalent of an idol worshiper if you drive to Beknesset on Shabbat. Because I didn't write it. Don't get so offended if Chazal tells you that any time somebody is angry, they consider it the equivalent of Abu Dazara. You ever met an Israeli who doesn't get angry? To be an Israeli, one of the qualities is to be angry. You can't be an Israeli without being angry. Chazal says you're not allowed. <laughs> so, Chazal says not allowed. Chazal says not allowed. What do you think? They made it up? They didn't make it up. It's all from Hashem. It's all from Hashem. What else is from Hashem? Yaakov departed from Be'er Sheva and went to Haran. This is this week's parasha, parashat Ve'etze. Yaakov is running away from Esav. The whole town is talking about it. He stole his blessing. He stole his right of the firstborn. The whole town is talking about it. He's in the news on CNN, CNBC, Bloomberg. Everyone's talking about it. Chazal says that he goes to the yeshivat of Shem and Evel. He goes to yeshiva 14 years. Learns Torah for 14 years without sleeping. Learns Torah without sleeping. 14 years. 
We learned for 14 minutes, we already think we're gdol adol. You learned 14 years, no sleep. You learned Torah? Yes. Today, 15 minutes. Wow. Oh, Vadya would be proud. Guy tells no, I learned a lot. I did a whole hour today. Wow. 14 years, Yaakov Avinu. 14 years without sleeping. This is a different world. Might as well be a different species. We're closer to a monkey than we are to the shoe. Not even to Yaakov Avinu, to the shoe of Yaakov Avinu. 14 years without sleeping. Goes to Yeshiva. But then it says something scary. He goes to sleep. After 14 years, you get kind of tired. Tzedah, not bad. I'm tired after 14 minutes. He's tired after 14 years. Baruch Hashem. Tzedah. And it says here... In verse 12, and he dreamt, and behold, a ladder was set eastward, uh, was, uh, was set earthward, and its top reached heavenward, and behold, angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Ascending and descending. Now, my whole life, Ever since I discovered that God was real when I was a little kid. I remember in school, we went to a little religious school. And they gave us a picture of Yaakov Avinu taking a nap on this rock. There used to be a few rocks that became one rock. And there's like a ladder next to him. And there's a bunch of angels climbing. And a bunch of angels going down, ascending, descending. That's what I thought. Why are they ascending, descending? Who knows? Maybe they're playing, I don't know. Having fun. The Gemara in Masechet Psachim, page 68, and also in Masechet Cholin, both agree with each other. Resh Lakish says that if it wasn't written in the Gemara, we wouldn't be allowed to say it. What does it mean, Olim Vyodim Bo? Ascending and descending. The angels are going up. They're seeing Yaakov Avinu's face and Kisea Kavod. Ah. So they come down to see who this person is. See him sleeping. They go back upstairs to Shemayim and say, Hashem, we should kill him. There's no sleeping for Kisea Kavod. Yeah, but he was sleeping. He was awake for 14 years. So what? So what that he was awake for 14 years learning Torah? That's what he was created for. So what that you learned 15 minutes or 15 hours and you gave tzedakah and you kept Shabbat? So what? So what you created for? Chazal says, Olim v'yordimbo means they are contemplating how to kill him. They're coming to kill him. And if it wasn't for the Shekhinah, if it wasn't for Hashem Yitbarach himself, they would kill him. Yaakov Avinu. If Yaakov Avinu is being rebuked like this by the angels, I think we need to learn some Musab. Now what saved Yaakov Avinu? This week's Pirkei Avot. 
The last couple of weeks, we've been learning what Hillel, Hillel and Shammai used to say. So Hillel said the Mishnah last week, and he says another one this week. He was accustomed to say, the reason I says he, because it's the same person that said it in the previous Mishnah. Negit Shema Avat I didn't understand it either. Don't worry, I could just make the sounds. Let's read it in English, we understand. It was an Aramaic anyway. He was accustomed to say, He who seeks renown loses his reputation. He who does not increase his Torah learning decreases it. He who refuses to teach Torah deserves death. And he who exploits the crown of Torah shall fade away. As we learned from the series so far, we see that each one of these verses, each one of these sayings, can be broken down and learned for 60 years, not two hours, 60 years, and we're still going to learn more from them. That's how much Musar is in each one of these. But we're going to try to learn for a little bit to see what it means here. So Yilel is telling us, Someone who is looking to build his reputation. Hey, I learned some Torah. I know the whole Shas by heart. I know this, I know that. He says, that's the person that Hashem is going to take that away from him. Gavat Adam tashfilenu. Shlomo the very same wise man we talked about earlier. He says, the pride comes before the fall. Before Hashem brings somebody down, He makes sure that they go all the way to the top. Why? Because the fall is much bigger. It's much more painful. You're forced to look up. If it's a little fall, you built your portfolio up. You went up from 800,000 to 1.1 million. You feel happy by yourself. You're smart. You're good looking now too. Maybe you're going to buy a new car. Maybe you're going to throw a party this year. It's nice. You go down from 1.1 million to 900,000. Eh, okay, I can still keep the car. I'm not going to sell it. I can still, the extension on the house, I'm going to keep that too. It's no big deal. The party, said so we're not going to get a five course meal. Let's just make it four. That's not what we're saying yet. Hashem says he's going to make you an artificial bull market for 10 years that's based on nothing like we have right now. Based on absolutely nothing. There's absolutely no reason for the market to go up. Nothing happened. Technology companies are being valued at 50, 100, 200 billion dollars for absolutely no reason. Even if they meet the growth rates they say, they're still never going to be worth what they were today. It's based on nothing, but people are making fortunes off of this. They bought the stock at 50, it went up to 200. The $800,000 portfolio is not 1.1 million. It's three and a half, four, five million. Everyone's IQ went up with their portfolio. Everyone thinks they're smart. Everyone thinks, ooh, what? What am I wasting my time working a regular career? I should be a day trader. I should be a investor. I should be an advisor. I should tell all my friends to invest. I should start investing seminars 
Start teaching people how to become millionaires in the stock market. Leave my job and do this. Everyone became smart. Hashem says, I'll take you from the little portfolio you had with the retirement account that you had that you built for 30, 40 years and you put everything and I take it to three, four, five million. Now, if you do the right thing and use the money for good, you give tzedakah, you bring more Torah to the world, then there's a reason that you gave Hashem to allow you to have this money. Because He didn't give you the money for you to have it. The whole reason of why you have any money is for you to publicize Torah. To eat, obviously, you need to eat. But Yaakov Avinu also has to eat. Yaakov Avinu learned more Torah than us. 14 years without sleeping. What did he ask? He says he in Parashat. Parashat Shavuah. He says here, in verse... 20 Then Jacob took a vow saying If God will be with me He's not even sure He learned 14 years without sleeping He's not even sure God liked his Torah He's not sure He goes oh maybe he's not enough Maybe I should learn 15 years without sleeping Maybe 16 years Maybe 30 years if God is going to be with me, if Hashem is even going to give me any attention whatsoever, will guard me on this way, he'll protect me where I'm going. What do I want from him? All I want from him will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear. He learned for 14 years without sleeping. All he's asking for is bread to eat and clothes to wear. We learned for 14 minutes, went to Shield Torah. Somebody tells me, listen, I listened to your whole Shield the whole two hours. I said, okay, good, Baruch Hashem. He goes, yeah, but I was expecting a prize at the end. Yaakov Avinu was expecting clothes, clothes to wear and food to eat after 14 years. It's a little bit of a difference. So now, if we do the right thing with the money, Hashem is going to give us more. Not only is He going to give us, but we become messengers for Hashem. We do the wrong thing with the money. We keep buying cars, houses, and have parties. And there's no reason for him to give it to us. And what happens is what happened to me. Hashem uses the pride, uses the tool to, that he built us to make us fall. So people need to question themselves here. And where are we learning this from? We're learning this from, from Hillel. Hillel is a king. Who was Hillel? Hillel was the Nasi. He was top. Number one, Gemara Masechet Sukkah, page 28. It says, who were Hillel's students? He had 80 students. 80 students. Nice little kolel. Who were his students? 30 of them, they, were, they deserved to have the Shechina sit on them like Moshe Rabbeinu. 30 of them were in the level in their generation of Moshe Rabbeinu. Another 30 deserved for Hashem to stop the sun in the middle of the sky for them like He did for Yeshua Benun. Joshua, Gdol Ador, right after Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua Benun. 30 of them deserve the same 
privilege that Yeshua Benun got. 30 of them. And 20 were Benunim. 20 were average. 20 were average. Let's see what these average is. Who are the names of these individuals? Huh? Who are the names of these individuals? I'm going to say. We know it's all the Tanaim. The top student was Yonatan ben Uziel. The top student was Yonatan ben Uziel. The least of the students was Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. Every page in the Gemara was Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. You see his name. It's the least of them, it's the lowest. What did Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai know? This is what he knew. He knew all the Alachot, all the Mishnayot, everything by heart, obviously, not no books. There's no oral Torah written yet at this point. Everything by heart. All the Alachot, all the Mishnayot, all the Gemarot, all the Gimatriot, all of the calculations of how to figure out the calendar. They didn't have nice calendars with the picture of the Rebbe on every wall. No, no, they had to figure it out. They had to bring people, they had to see if the moon came out, if it didn't come out, calculations, a six-digit number, a lot of chokmah, a lot of wisdom to figure out the calendar. He knew how to compute the calendar. He knew all the midrashim, all the agadot, all the stories behind the stories. All of the analogies, all of the small debates and the big debates that everyone would have had. Especially the ones by Abaya and Rav. Abaya and Rav, also every page in the Gemara, you see Abaya or Rav. Debates about everything. He knew all of them. But that's just... Average. This is the beginning. What else did he know? He also knew the language of all the angels. Apparently the angels have a different language. He was able to speak to angels. But also he knew the language of all the Shedim, all the demons. And if that wasn't enough, he knew the language of, of all the palm trees. Which one of us knows how to speak to a palm tree? There's a bunch of them. There's one guy right next to my car I want to tell him something. Anybody know how to talk to palm trees? This is the least of the students of Ilela Zaken. He knew how to talk to palm trees. He knew how to talk to Shadim. He knew how to talk to angels. The top student, Yonatan ben Uziel, it said that when he would study Torah, it would create a spiritual fire that if there was a bird that flew on top of him, it would burn immediately. Go on fire, the bird. Poor bird. He's learning Torah. So now if you have students like this, who are you? If his least of his students is Rabban Yochanan, who's Hillel? And Hillel is telling us, now that I'm at this top position, I'm telling you, that if I focus only on the fame and fortune, Hashem is going to use this to bring me down. Where you learn it from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu got famous. Everyone found out, hey, you stole the fortune, the blessing from Esav. You're on the news. Everyone knows. Everyone's talking about you. If you take advantage of the fame only for your own interests, Hashem will use it against you. So what do you do? Despite how big you are, you go to step number two. Udelam Yosef. 
He who does not increase his Torah decreases it. He says, you want Hashem to keep you on top? You want Hashem to keep you rich? You want Hashem to keep you famous? You want Hashem to keep you where you are? Increase your Torah, my friend. He says, yeah, but my students, the least of them knows how to talk to Shadim. Because yes, even you have to increase your Torah. That's what Hillel is teaching us here. If Hillel has to increase his Torah after his least of his students knows this, what about us? How much Torah do we have to learn? Last time I checked, I don't know anybody who knows how to talk to Shadim. I don't even know anybody who knows all the halachot by heart. I look at Yalkut Yosef, after the 15, you know, 15 pages, I already think I'm gdol adol. And then I look at, oh wait, there's another 40 books. So he says, you want to stay at the top, increase your Torah. This is why Yaakov Avinu, as soon as he ran out, he didn't go to Lavan. He says, if I want Hashem to protect me, I have to go to the yeshiva of Shem and Evel for 14 years to study Torah without sleeping. Because that's the only way I can justify Hashem protecting me. That's the only way I can justify Hashem giving me food and clothing. Not more. Food and clothing. 14 years of studying without sleeping. Now, this Shem, the son of Noah. Shem, Shem was the son of Noah. Noah had three sons, and Shem was one of his sons, and he was teaching Torah. He had the Torah of Adam Rishon. We already had the oral Torah from the beginning of time. Okay, still alive, still alive. Yeah, the Torah was written 974 generations before the world was created. Black fire on white fire. This is the reason why the Sefer Torah, if you notice, it's black ink on white paper. It's symbolic of how the original Torah was written by Hashem with black fire on white fire. It was 974 generations before Hashem created the world. And Chazal says that Hashem looked at the Torah and used the Torah to create the world from it. What does that mean? He says, oh, in the Torah we have an halacha. For kosher. Okay, so I'll create kosher animals and non-kosher animals. Oh, in the, in the Torah we have halacha for kosher fish. So I'll create fish that are kosher and fish that are not kosher. Meaning Hashem used the Torah as a blueprint, not the world as a blueprint. Most people think that first Hashem created the world, Adam, Eve, Esav, Yaakov, Avram, you know, all this nice story that we have. No, it's the opposite. Torah came first, then the world. Showing us that the Torah is the reason that the world even exists, not the opposite. So now we have Avram knew who Noah was. They knew they lived at the same time for about fifty-five years or so. The last fifty-five years of Noah's life, Avram was alive. So we see that the Masoret. Goes directly from Adam Arishon all the way to Avraham Avinu. Avraham to Yitzchak, Yitzchak to Yaakov, Yaakov to the 12 tribes, 12 tribes to Moshe Rabbeinu, and so on. We have an exact lineage, exactly who got the Torah, which we went in, uh, actually as a matter of fact, in the first year of this series, we went over the exact lineage of how the Torah started, all the way to today. So 
They knew it by heart. It wasn't written. It wasn't written like today. It only began to be uh, written on Mount Sinai. And he created the universe or the world? Universe, everything. Universe. Everything. Really, everything that's in the universe was for the purpose of serving this world, serving Amisal here. So, for example, a lot of people don't understand why is there, okay, if we only live on planet Earth, what did Hashem create Pluto for, and Mars, and Venus, and so on? For many, many years, people were questioning, maybe there's people over there. Maybe there's another world. Maybe there's uh, better looking cows. Maybe there's a uh, fish that talk. You know, what's there? But actually, what, the more we learn, we don't really know that much about outer space, but the more we learn about the more we realize a few things. Number one is that Earth depends on everything else being perfect, meaning that the planet Earth is in the only place in the entire universe that it can be in order for it to exist. Meaning if Earth moved 1% to the right, which would be closer to the sun, everything would burn. Everything would dry up. No Life would not continue. If it went 1% to the left, 1 degree to the left, everything would freeze. And this is, again, this location we have on earth is the only place that it can be in all in the entire universe. And the other planets are aligned in a perfect way to keep earth where it is. So in the book of Job... Job asks Hashem, What does the world stand on? Last time we checked, nothing. You look at outer space, there's no, there's no like hand holding the globe. It's spinning. I believe it's around 1,700 miles per hour. In the same space, it doesn't go to the right, it doesn't go to the left, it doesn't slow down, it doesn't get tired. So Job asks, what's holding it? Chazal is explaining to us, is that a moment that someone is about to argue with you, and you are about to exert your Middle Eastern midah of anger back, show him who's boss, but you decide not to, say, ah, Hashem said, getting angry is Abu Dazara. He takes it personal. So I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to keep it inside. In the book of Job, Chazal says, that moment, the person that didn't respond to an argument, he held up the world. The world stands on nothing, meaning on the no response. You not not responding, that held up the world for that moment. To that level. So now, Hillel is telling us, despite all the Torah that I know, despite all the Torah students that have, have and taught and did and everything, the only way for Hashem to protect me is if I learn more Torah. Publicize more Torah. Why? Because of the next part. He who refuses to teach Torah deserves death. Meaning... In the Gemara, Masichet Avodah Zarah, page 17b. Rav Huna says, De'amar Rav Huna, Kol ha'osek b'Torah bilvad, Domeh kemi she'en lo Eloah. Translation, Rav Huna, 
says, whoever engages in Torah study only is like one who does not have a God. What does this mean? If you're learning Torah, just for, your, for yourself, you learn your 15 minutes a day, your 15 hours a day, whatever you're learning. The reason why I keep mentioning, by the way, 15 minutes a day, for anyone who doesn't know, is that that's how it started. I started, I first started learning Torah. My Ralph told me, you have to learn Torah every day. I said, what about I learn with you seven hours on Thursday? It's not enough. Every Thursday we had a phone call, either on the phone or on Skype for seven hours straight, Torah. So it's enough, no? One hour for each day. He goes, no, no, it's better you learn 15 minutes a day and cancel the seven hours than just learn the seven hours. Yeah. That's how important it is to learn Torah every day. That's why everything, uh, you should do it more often than do it only one time. Exactly. Yeah, doing something more of exercise, anything you want. Everything you got to do consistently. Yeah. Consistently. The food. If you split the food, many... Many meals. Instead can. of one... Big it's a better diet. I wish I could do that. The Torah I can do, the, the meals I can't. <laughs> so... He told me you have to learn every day. So I said, okay, 15 minutes a day I agree to. I agree, 15 minutes a day. So I started learning 15 minutes a day. Baruch Hashem, little by little, got to more than 15 minutes a day. But the point being is that, Chazal is telling us, if you're just learning your time alone, but you're just keeping all the knowledge to yourself. Your kids are still questioning whether there's a God. Your wife still has no interest in being modest. Your husband is not really sure if he wants to keep Shabbat anymore. Your neighbor, your friends, everybody's still driving on Shabbat. They have no idea why they're even alive. Your best friend is still doubting whether we're better than monkeys or the monkeys are better than us. And you possess all this knowledge. You learn. You went to Shiu, you watch you on YouTube, on Torah anytime, on different places. You're learning Torah on a regular basis. You learned the purpose of life. You learned Gemara. You know even a few pages by heart. We keep it all to yourself. Gemara says, you're like somebody who doesn't have a God. Meaning, the whole purpose of the Torah is for you to emulate Hashem, to connect to Him, to understand who Hashem Yitbarach is. And when you connect to someone, you want to emulate Him. You want to do things like Him. If He's good, I want to be good. If He's merciful, I want to be merciful. If He's generous, I want to be generous. Why do people get married? Because they see themselves in the other person. She's nice, I'll be nice. He's funny, I want to be funny. He's happy, I want to be happy. You emulate people you care about. Love, deal to Hashem. You learn His Torah, you want to be like Him. That's the whole purpose of the Torah. The number one midah we know about Hashem is He's generous. He only gives, He never receives. Because He's perfect, He doesn't need anything from us. The only reason he created the world was to give. So he gives, he gives, he gives. He gives us the Torah. He gives us food. He gives us vision. He gives us money. He gives us a wife. He gives us kids. He gives us a husband. He gives us a dog. He gives us a cat. He gives us a house, uh, another house, another vacation, another this, another... All he gives. We give him nothing. The Torah you learn is for you. It's not for him. The mitzvot you do is for you. It's not for him. So the time is going to come... And every one of us is going to go to the Bedin of Shemaim. 
And they're going to ask us, what have you done for Hashem? What did you do for him? So I learned Torah. That's for you. You're obligated to learn Torah. I fulfilled mitzvot. It's for you. If you didn't fulfill the mitzvot, you wouldn't even be at the Bedin. You'd go straight to Gehenom. I uh, ate kosher. Same thing. I got married. Same thing. What'd you do for Hashem? What'd you do for him? It's a big question. Well, you can do everything for yourself and the Hashem Shemai. Same thing. So here's the big thing. Rabbi Yonatan Aibishitz, Zechet Tzadik Nivracha, said, every year on Tisha B'Av, we all cry about the Beit HaMikdash being destroyed. And we all hear the famous story of how it was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam. Sinat Chinam, baseless hatred. And Rabbi Yonatan was saying, this baseless hatred, we still have today. But it's the one no one's paying attention to. He says, the biggest hate you can have and that exists today, and this is in his day, it's even more so today, is when one Jew sees his brother making a sin and doesn't say anything. One Jew sees his brother or his sister violating the Torah and doesn't say anything. No, 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 I don't want to bother him. I don't want to intrude on his privacy. It's not my business. He says, that's Sinat Chinam. Why? You know, you know the Torah, you learn the Torah, right? You learn, you said, Hashem says 12 times in the Torah, Mechalel Shabbat, Mot Yumat. Hashem says 12 times in the Torah, someone violates Shabbat, it's not considered part of Am Yisrael, gets punishments, gets this, gets that, all this horrendous stuff. If anyone ever knew, knew even just five of the punishments, not the hundreds, but five of the punishments Mechalel Shabbat gets, you'd get scared to leave the house. I have a book, full of sources of over 80 pages of different things that happens to somebody violate Shabbat. And I talk about Shabbat a lot because that's the basic foundation of Tshuva. There's no Tshuva without Shabbat. You want to start Tshuva, start keeping Shabbat. Your family is not, uh, that's not keeping anything, first thing you should do is start with the concept, an idea, a goal to start keeping Shabbat. Keeping kosher is nice. Keeping, uh, you know, uh, giving tzedakah is nice. They're all nice things. Tshuva doesn't start without Shabbat. So now, someone knows this stuff. He learned some Gemara, he learned some Torah, he went to Shiu Torah. He knows that by this guy violating Shabbat, there's a train coming right at him. There's a train coming right at him. Rabbi Yonatan says, well, you're not going to tell him to move. The train is coming right at him. He's not, he's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. He's not moving. He doesn't even know the train's coming. You're not going to tell him to move. That's Sinat Chinam. That's Sinat Chinam. According to Chazal, as many as it takes until he beats you up. Until he beats you up. Until he beats you up. Okay. The was once asked, Kodarav, what if they don't listen? Lubavitcher Rebbe, Chabad, Big Tzaddik, unfortunately, they're just desecrating his name by turning him into Avodah Zarah. But he was a big Tzaddik. And somebody asked him, What if they don't listen? You tell them they don't listen. Doesn't it say in the Torah 
If they're not going to listen, better off not telling them. No. That's only pertaining to things that are above and beyond the minimum. Meaning, if someone is you're t- trying to rebuke him based on midot, based on things that are above and beyond the minimum, and you know he's not going to listen to you, okay, you don't have to tell him. You don't have to be the teacher everywhere. But if it's the basic level of Judaism, if it's Shabbat, if it's kosher, if it's Tarat Mishpacha, basic level, of course you're obligated to tell him. There's no such thing he's not going to listen on a listen. He says, yeah, but Kodav, what if he doesn't listen? He goes, listen. Imagine you have a roommate, and your roommate says to you, listen, I worked all week, I'm really tired, I'm going to sleep. I don't care who calls, I don't care who writes, I don't care who knocks on the door. Under no condition do you wake me up. I'm going to sleep for a week. Go to sleep, leave me alone. I've had it with all of you. What do you care? Go to sleep for a year, what do I care? Go to sleep. You're so upset that he talked to you this way, you leave the house. You go outside and... Oh, smell fire. Shemilachem. Your friend's upstairs, he's sleeping. You run upstairs. Wait, whoa, you want to wake him up? Wait, hold on a second. He told me not to wake him up. Now, if you wake him up, and tell him, listen, my friend, I know you told me not to wake you up, but there's a fire. Is he going to be upset? Is he still going to be upset at you? Lubavitch Rebbe says, no. Why? Because he's going to realize there's a fire. There's a fire. He says the person that's not keeping Shabbat, the person that's not keeping Talat Mishpacha, not keeping kosher, not keeping anything, not learning Torah, not knowing why he's even alive, Bechlal, he's sleeping. But as soon as you wake him up and you show him the truth finally, he's not going to be upset at you. He's only upset while he's still asleep. Eventually when you wake him up, He's not going to be upset. So Yilela is telling us here is that all this Torah that you're learning today, all the Torah that you learned yesterday, all the Torah you're going to learn tomorrow, you have to use it. Because if you're not using it, according to the Gemara, it's like you don't have a God, meaning you're learning Torah like it's a history book. Like it's for you only. And you're not emulating Hashem. Hashem only gives. So how can you keep the holiest creation that he ever created and gave it to you, to yourself. Why so selfish? Not everybody knows that Michalat Shabbat is a big sin. Not everyone knows that eating non-kosher is a big deal. Not everyone knows that a woman is not allowed to be with a husband all month long. Not everyone knows that a woman needs to cover herself. Not everyone knows... that you're not allowed to be angry, and you're not allowed to be stingy, and you're not allowed to be... All these different things. Not everyone knows. Why? Because the seven and a half billion people we're surrounded by don't necessarily hold to it. The less clothes a woman has today, the more popular she is. The more pride a person has, the higher the position he has. Everything is opposite. Alma Dashika. World of lies. In the old days, someone that had pride, they'd throw him away. They'd throw him out of the camp. Who are you to have pride? For what are you prideful? You came from a seed, and you're going to go and turn into dust one day. And everything you have in between, Hashem gave you. Chokhmah, 
Hashem takes the Chokhmah away also, even from the wisest people, like the Ramban wrote to his uh, son in a letter. Hashem even takes away the wisdom from the wisest of men. Honor. How can you use Hashem's clothing to have honor for yourself? What are you honoring for? What do you have so much respect for yourself for? For what? Somebody had so much pride, they wouldn't give him anything. Today they make him president. Today they make him CEO. So it's everything is the opposite. In the old days, a woman walk around not modest, go to jail, chashvash don't even get death penalty. Today, they make magazines and write books about her. It's opposite. It's opposite. This is why if you possess the true knowledge, if you know Torah, you learn this, you see the verses, you see what it says. You see that even, even Yaakov Avinu was not allowed to get too comfortable and fall asleep. You have to share the knowledge. You have free CDs over there with a bunch of this. A bunch of these lectures. You give them out to people. You want more? Baruch Hashem, we'll give you more. Spread the knowledge. There's stuff, you know, do cure for free. People don't know. Why? Because, like I said in the beginning of the lecture, you either have part of the Torah full of nice things, or you have the entire Torah that has both. And Hillel is telling us here that if you're going to use all this Torah knowledge instead of teaching it to the public, instead of teaching it to your kids, Instead of teaching it to your grandkids, your co-workers, your colleagues. Instead, you're going to teach it to walk around with your head high like you know everything. You know everything and everybody else is stupid. You know everything and everyone else is a fool. He said that one shall fade away. You'll be a forgotten memory. You'll become a forgotten memory. Now you're going to say, okay, this sounds nice, but first I have to learn Torah, first I have to do this, first I have to do that, first I have to work for myself. So then we're going to finish off with the next Mishnah. Phone turned into a transformer. It's a conference, I have uh, people listen online. For, um, from different places all over the world and uh, live so they have me call this phone number but today the satan went inside the phone and he's also interrupting them <laughs> so what if you say to me okay you know what this is all nice this is all wonderful but I hear this a lot I know everything you're saying. My, my father was a big rabbi. My father was a huge rabbi. My grandfather, dola do. My great grandfather, I think he was Hillel. <laughs> Everyone's father was a rabbi. Everyone's grandfather was a rabbi. Everyone. So Hillel already knew about this generation with the grandfathers of rabbis. And he gave us the next Mishnah. Mishnah Yudalit, Mishnah 14. Uaya Omer, Imena Nili, Mili. Ukshani Latsmi, Mani. Vimloachshab, Ematai. 
he was accustomed to say, this is Hillel again, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? Hillel is telling us, I understand your father was a rabbi, and your grandfather was a rabbi, but you know, Esav, Esav was Yaakov's brother. Parashat Shavua, where is he running from? He's running from Esav. Esav's father, believe it or not, was also a rabbi. Not only was he a rabbi, he was Gdol Adol, Yitzchak Avinu. Yitzchak Avinu was Esav's father. But Hashem says to the prophet Malachi, Et Esav Saneti, Esav, I hated him. Hated him. Nebuchadnezzar was not worse than Esav. Paro was not worse than Esav. Hitler, Imach Shimo, was not worse than Esav. Haman was not worse than Esav. He doesn't say he hates them. But Esav, Saneti. At Esav, I hated. We hate him so much. Hashem, you created him. Already in the stomach of the mother, in the uterus of the mother, he's already fighting, wants to go worship idols. You created him with bad midot. You hate him on top of it. His father's a big rabbi. Gdol Adol. What do you hate him for? Few things. First and foremost, Elah is telling us, Your father being a rabbi, good for him. He's in Gan Eden. Where are you going to go? Your grandfather being in uh, a big rabbi, good for him. He's also in Gan Eden. Has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. No one in the history of mankind has ever gone to Gan Eden purely based on his father's actions. It could help you, maybe you're going to have special siyat dishmaya. It can help you, maybe you're going to have certain schutavot, that you're going to have special privileges in this world where Hashem's going to send you a special messenger, a special parnasah, special zivug, special this, special that. But going to Gan Eden, that's only off the work of your back. You have to earn it, my friend. Gemara says there's three things that do not come to a person without Mesirut Nefesh. One, Torah, you want to be Talmit Chacham? Requires Mesirut Nefesh. You can't be one of these people that says, I want to finish the entire Shas, the entire Gemara overnight, but I want to sleep too. Can't happen. Mesirut Nefesh. You want to learn a lot of Torah? Requires Mesirut Nefesh. Less sleep, less food, less sex, less everything. This is in Mishnah Pirkei Avot 6, chapter 6. We'll get there, Bezat Hashem. Second thing is, you want Eretz Yisrael, you want to live in Eretz Yisrael, you want to leave America, you want to leave the Egypt of today. You want to go to Eretz Yisrael, you want to live comfortably. All that, Mesirut Nefesh. Gemara says this, not me, Gemara. Requires Mesirut Nefesh. Extra sacrifice, extra difficulty. Extra prayer, extra nisyonot, tests, trials, tribulations, extra. Last but not least, you want Allah Abba? Requires Mesirut Nefesh. No one walks into Allah Abba with their head high. The ones that get to Allah Abba are going there without the wheels. Screeching in, barely making it because they've sacrificed their entire life 
their entire body, their entire physicality to earn this place on Allah Abba. So Yilel is telling us here, You can't rely on your father being a rabbi, my friend. You can't rely on your grandfather being a rabbi. If you're not for yourself, who's going to be for you? No one. Only you can get yourself to Allah Abba. Only you. Because even Yitzchak Avinu, the forefather of Judaism, was not able to get Esav to Gan Eden. Was not able to get Hashem to say, Esav, I like him. Because Hashem says in the Torah, Esav, I hated him. Why did I hate him? Because his father was a tzaddik. Because his brother was a tzaddik. Because his grandfather was a tzaddik. Because he himself was not like we saw in kindergarten at drawings, a little hairy guy with red hair, eats animals that are still alive. No, he was a bentolai, had the hat, the beard, the whole thing. He knew everything. He knew the Torah. What do you think? He was an ignorant. He knew all the alachot. He used to pretend to give maaser off of salt. He says, Abba, how much salt did we have so I make sure to give the maaser of the salt? You don't have to give maaser of salt, my friend. He made it pretend like he was a big tzaddik. But he knew the entire Torah. But he still was a kofel. He still did things against it. He still went against Hashem. A kofer is not a, a heretic, is not someone that doesn't believe in God. Somebody that doesn't believe in God is just an idiot. Someone that thinks that the camera, you, the hat, the, the building, everything came from nothing, came from some coincidence, is just purely an idiot. There's no other way to describe it. It's just a reality. Some of them have PhD behind their names, but they're still idiots. Just so you know, the biggest mistakes that have ever happened in history have been by the biggest PhDs. Fools don't create atomic bombs. Fools make screws to use in the atomic bombs. They work in Chinatown and sell statues. The smart PhDs, they make the atomic bombs. So an atheist is not a kofel. A kofel, a heretic, is someone that knows the Torah. Someone that knows the truth. Someone that knows what Hashem says in the Torah 12 times about Shabbat. Someone that knows what Hashem says in Masechet Shabbat, page 54, about someone who doesn't rebuke. He says, if you know the truth and you don't tell somebody, you take on their sin. You know that he's not allowed to drive on Shabbat, but you don't tell him, no, no, I don't want to interfere. I'm sorry, I don't want... It's not nice. It's not my business. Yeah, but she's half naked. She's going to shul half naked. She's going outside the house half naked. You can't tell her, put something on. For heaven's sake, she can't put a jacket on. She can't cover her body. She has to look the same thing like a cow with no clothes. At home, do what you want. But you have to come to the Knesset that way. You have to go outside that way. Stay in the shower. You want to be naked? Stay in the shower. Why can't you wear clothes? No, but it's maybe it's her style. Yeah, but you know, Hashem says he doesn't like it. He almost destroyed all of Ami's slaves because of immodesty. 
Parashat Balak. The only time in history we got punished from Hashem without a warning was because of lack of immodesty. Parashat Balak, Hashem destroyed 24,000 Jews in a matter of seconds because of lack of modesty. You have a friend, she's walking like she's a giraffe in the middle of Africa with no clothes on. You can't tell her something? According to the Gemara, Masechet Shabbat, page 54, says, you're also going to get the punishment of immodesty. Yeah, but I'm modest. I cover my hair, I cover my this, I cover my that, I cover this, I cover this. Okay, great, but she's your friend. You didn't tell her anything? You're taking on our sin. It's, big, it's a big tikkun, it's a big problem. So a kufir, Hashem says, a kufir is Esav. Esav knows, and he doesn't say nothing. Him I hate. A kufir is the rabbi that knows the entire Torah, but he doesn't say it. But not only that, he sees somebody else say the real truth, and he takes their CDs and he breaks them. He takes his CDs and he throws them in the garbage. Okay, you don't want to say it, you don't have the gods, you don't have this, you don't have that, fine, you don't want to say it, fine. But what are you getting in the way of somebody else that is saying it for? You don't want to do it, fine, you're worried that they're going to fire you, fine, I understand. You have no emunah, I understand. You're scared that the board is going to throw you out because you tell people the truth. I got it, I understand. Emunah is not something you're born with. You have to work on it, it's like a muscle. Okay, you have no emunah. You're scared of the uh, keilah. It's an unfortunate systemic problem in the entire Jewish communities everywhere. It's not just one place, not two places, everywhere. Rabbi tells the truth, the keilah wants to fire him. Okay, so you don't want to say the truth, fine. But what are you getting in the way of somebody else saying the truth? What do you care? Chas v'shalom, they're going to do tshuva? What? What's the point of the Torah if they're going to not keep it? What, so you could tell stories and get $60,000 a year nice salary? But the rest of Amisai is going to gain on because you're not telling them the truth. So he was saying, yes, Esav had a nice father, was a tzaddik, knew the entire Torah, spoke to God, grandfather even bigger, the forefather of Judaism, of Avinu, had Brit Milah, <coughs> Hashem still hated him because he had those forefathers and still didn't keep that made Hashem hate him even more so next time somebody tells you listen my father was a, was a tzaddik my father was this my father was that you go tell him yeah a sub too but according to the Torah he has no share of the world to come because his father was a tzaddik and he didn't keep it he got punished even more it went against him not for him and if I am for myself, what am I? So I said, okay, fine. I'll do tshuva. I'll focus. I learned some Torah. I'm already in tshuva five years, ten years, fifteen years. Great. Is it time for you to get proud? No. As soon as you know the basic level of truth, you have to spread it. In any way you can. If you can talk, talk. If you have money, use it. Spend it. 
Help Kiruv. Help Am Yisrael come back to Hashem. 80% of Am Yisrael does not even keep the basic level of mitzvot. You have a mouth, use it. You don't have a mouth, you have money. Use your money. You don't have money, you don't have a mouth. Okay, you have internet, press like, press, press share. You could do, do Kiruv today for free. Do something. Don't just stand there and look pretty with your Torah. Oh yeah, I know that Gemara. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, good for you. you know. Did you share with anybody? Does anybody else know around you? Everybody else is ignoramus around you. No one else knows except you. Don't be just for yourself. Someone came to me on Avrech. Avrech, someone learns Torah. He says, Kvod Arab, you made a shiur. That's the first time in the English language a comprehensive shiur about wasting seed. To most people, the topic is like the unicorn. It's like a fairy tale. Like they heard that it exists, but no one ever heard anything about it because no one teaches it. In the English language, it's non-existent. You look on the internet, Shlombayit, you have 15 million hours worth of Shlombayit shiurim. Alachot for Sukkot, 5 million. Alachot of kosher, 500 million. Business, 6 billion. Shabbat, you also have a bunch. Wasting seed, 6 hours. Five and a half of it is me. Oh, I'm sorry, four and a half of it is me. Four and a half is me. An hour and 15 minutes is Rav Mizrahi. And 15 minutes is Rav Alonanava. That's it. The end. Now why is it such a bad problem? Because according to Judaism, the only three reasons for someone to go to Gehenom, to the worst part of Gehenom, and never come out. We're not going to go into the details of what happens and scare you guys to death or anything, but just to give you an idea, there's three sins. One, violating Shabbat on purpose. On a regular basis, knowing that it's Shabbat, violating in Pharisia, it's considered the worst sin in Judaism. Two, Chilul Hashem, desecrating Hashem's name. When people ask me, why don't you disclose who's this rabbi that's breaking your CDs, that's throwing out your CDs? I tell them, no, I don't want to. It's not because I'm cheering for them to break more CDs. It's not because I'm trying to help them. It's because everything I do is purely for the sake of Hashem. It's purely for Am Yisrael. There's no money in this. There's no fame in this. There's nothing in this. Other than chesed for Am Yisrael, other, because I lo- other than loving Hashem, there's no other reason to do this. There's no other reason to give lectures for free. There's no other reason to work till 6 o'clock in the morning every day. Or early day ends at 3 a.m. You don't get paid by the hour. You don't get paid, period. The only reason we do this is for Hashem. Rabbi Mizrahi has been doing it for 22 years. I don't know how he's doing it. I'm only doing it for a few years. I'm already like losing my mind. There's so many problems. I'm like, listen, you need like 5,000 Rav Mizrahis in the world just to, for Florida alone. Forget about the whole world. So the only reason you do it is for Hashem, for, the, for 
sanctifying Hashem's name for Kiddush Hashem. Now if I tell people who's this rabbi, who's throwing out the CDs, who's the other rabbi that's talking bad about me, who's the other rabbi that we had an argument with on camera, you could hear the argument, but I didn't disclose who the rabbi is. It's Shur number five, Pirkei Avot number five. When I talked about messianics and people that are idol worshipping, Jews that are idol worshipping, turning the Chabad Rebbe into a, uh, into a god, into a Mashiach. All this idol worship, but actual rabbi argued me. It wasn't like some idiot that was, didn't know anything about what the Torah is or anything. It was an actual rabbi and I found out it was, a big, it was supposed to be a big rabbi. Happened to be a Chabad rabbi. Didn't like it. I didn't disclose his name. I didn't put his picture on the, on the internet. Why? For the same reason. We do all we do for Kiddush Hashem. If I disclose their name, then it's going to turn into a Chilul Hashem. Why? Because people are going to say, look, they're going to identify the face. Look, this rabbi did this, this rabbi did that. It's going to go on the news. They're going to make, the, the Rashaim are going to make headlines about it. He says this, he says that. Look at the camera, look at this one, look at that one. So all the Chilonim, all the secular people are going to look at all these religious fools and say, ah, if that's what Judaism is about, I don't want to be Jew. I don't want to be religious. If that's what Judaism is about, this rabbi says this, this one is throwing out CDs, this one says you have to worship a Mashiach, this one says you have to worship a cow, this one says all these crazy rabbis, they're all fighting, they're all doing this. Who wants to be Jewish? And then the Christian says, see, I told you all right. Christian's going to say, look, my, our Avodazara is the same thing like yours. Look, there are Avodazara. We're doing Avodazara. Same thing. At least we're going to pay you. So it's going to cause big chibur Hashem, chas v'shalom. Defeats the whole purpose of what we're doing, what we're doing. So the second sin is chibur Hashem. Third sin, wasting seed on purpose. A man that wastes seed on purpose is in big, big trouble. So now, I have an avrich. Avrich, somebody that learns Torah for a living. Someone that learns Torah all day. That's his job. He doesn't have a company, a business, a job that, you know, delivers flyers or something, or pizza, nothing. He learns Torah for a living. He calls me, he says, Kudarav, I'm an avrich, I learn a kolel, I do this, I do that. But I never learned about wasting seed. I watched your sure three and a half hours lecture. And then there was another hour somewhere else. It's two lectures. But one of them was three and a half hours. Bunch of chidushim. Bunch of things I never learned before. I realized I have a serious problem. I'm addicted. According to the Zohar, the biggest addiction there is in this world, worse than Crack. Worse than cocaine, worse than money, worse than everything else, is to waste seed. Biggest addiction. The Rambam says it's the most difficult thing to overcome. But the Rambam also says in Alachot Isure Be'a, Perik Chafbet 22, Alachot 21. He's giving us. 
Halakha, which seems like it's just another law. We're going to learn another law, another law. How many laws we're going to learn already? We don't even know half the laws that we already learned. You're going to teach another law? No, no. He's giving us a roadmap. How not to get to this addiction. And if we're not in this situation, then we can teach it to somebody else because every teenager has a problem. Every kid has a problem. All these tzaddikim little kids with the payas, they're coming home, they're 16, they're happy about, the, you know, they went to yeshiva, they're happy about their friends and everything. Five minutes later, they're wasting seed. That's what they do. This is an addiction. This is, this is an epidemic. And the reason they all do it is because no one's telling them you're not allowed to. No one is telling them it's the biggest sin in Judaism. They heard it is, but they don't know the details. So the Rambam says this, one must stay away from joking and drunkenness and foolishness. As these are the triggers and the causes for adulterous and promiscuous behavior. Pretty much stop screwing around with your friends. Stop joking around. Stop doing nothing. Why? As the Allah continues a couple of lines later. There is never a thought of immodest sexuality that can overcome a mind or a heart unless it's empty and without wisdom. Meaning, the Rambam says, the benefits of being a ben Torah, the benefits of being glued to Hashem, glued to the Torah, <coughs> glued to the mitzvot, the reason why Hashem even gave you 613 mitzvot, is to keep you on a system, to keep you occupied, to keep you focused, to keep your mind busy. If your mind is busy with mitzvot, if your mind is busy with the Torah you learned, if your mind is busy with the sugya you learned in the Gemara this morning after tefillah, why did Abayah say this? Why did Rava say this? Why did Hillel says this? Why is Yaakov you know, sleeping bichlal? And why are the angels so angry? Your mind is occupied. It's constantly moving. Something going on all the time. If you're that glued to the Torah, you're never going to think an immodest thought. Why? Because you don't have time. If you're constantly occupied with the number of reason of why you exist, Bichlal, which is to do Kiddush Hashem, you're never going to have time to sin. We learned last week Gemara, Masechet Chagiga, page 14. A person that's not making themselves busy with sanctifying Hashem's name, with Kiddush Hashem, according to the Torah, according to Hashem, it's better that He never brought him to the world. At Kedekach, to that degree. If you're busy with learning Hashem's Torah, you're busy. If you're busy with doing mitzvot, you're busy. If you're busy sanctifying Hashem's name, you're busy. You're not going to have time to think about this naked girl in front of you because you're not even looking at her. Everything looks like a daf gemara. Everything looks like Yaakov Avinu. When did I finally realize this can be? One time, I'm in Israel with my Rav. Uh, we're talking... This issue comes up with the whole immodesty and so on. And he's in a different world. He's a different world. You look at him, you see him, very normal person. 
You talk to him though, he's a different world. This person is genius beyond imagination. Before he was 20, already finished the Shas four times, twice the Bavli, twice the Yerushalmi, wrote over 30 books, or almost 35 books before he's 30. Something, the Dayanim call him Gaon. Ravavadiyah's son came to one of his Yumeah Shas, says you should call him a Gaon from now on. Ravavadiyah's son. David Yosef came to his Yuma Shas, says he's a Gaon. Somebody special. But he's glued to the Torah though. And one day I'm talking and we'll finish with this point. He says, I don't understand what everybody's looking at all the time. They always look at these women. I said, what do you mean you don't understand? I don't understand what they're looking at. Why does everybody get so excited? Now to me, at that point, I'm like, is he that far away from the world? What do you mean, what are they getting so excited for? I don't understand. I mean, everything else until this point, I understood what he said. But he says, he doesn't understand why people get excited by looking at women. He took this Rambam to the next level. Rambam says, if you occupy with Torah, you're never going to think about immodesty. The Zohar says, when there's immodesty, Hashem Menachem, all the things it says about immodesty. So Rav Ephraim says, I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? I kept pushing. No, what do you mean? You don't understand why they're so excited. And a moment of like, he blurted out something and until this day I can't stop thinking about it. He goes, what? They don't see the fire? To him, in his eyes, that are holy, he sees the fire of Gehenom on the naked woman. He doesn't see beauty. He sees miskena, he sees a poor woman, he sees someone that's suffering. He sees the outcome, miskena. In this generation, this is not Yaakov Avinu. We could all get there. That's the end of this Mishnah, where it says, V'im lo achshav ematai. And if not now, when? If we don't do tshuva today, if we don't start learning Torah today, if each one of us at the end of this shiur then say, you know what? I got to fix something. I got to add something. Modesty, I got to do a little better. Learning Torah, I got to do a little better. Teaching Torah, I got to do a little better. Something, do better. If none of us are going to do something better at the end of this drasha, I'm sorry I failed you. I wasted your time. But if each one of us is going to go home and do a little bit of cheshbon nefesh, some self-accounting, and say, ah, i got to fix something. What? Pick. We talked about plenty of things. If you don't remember everything I say, we're going to watch it on Bezat Hashem Torah anytime, tomorrow. Or YouTube, or Bezat Hashem.org. Plenty of places to watch this show again. But something has to happen. Because if not now, when? Any questions? Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen ve'amen Amen